The St Albans Film Guide with Simon Carver, hosted by Danny Smith. Well, staring at the, the bright and cherubic face in front of me and seeing it is none other than Simon Carver tells me that this is indeed another edition of the St Albans Film Guide. Welcome one and all. Welcome, Simon. Thank you. Good to be here. Tell your face that. Come on, cheer up. Might never happen. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you're just going to silence me all the way through this. I don't need, I'll answer sensible questions. <laughs> That seems fair. Okay, so uh, what we do on the on the film guide uh, is we look at uh, Simon's choice of films on free to air TV for the forthcoming week. We also look at the new releases um, that are on the streaming services as well, and in fact, that's where we're going to start this week. And uh, we are starting off with uh, well, Simon, where are we starting off? Actually, I don't know whether it's Netflix or Amazon Prime. So, where do you want to go? Um, we are starting off with. Um Escape from Pretoria on Amazon okay. Prime. Mm. A true story um, about Tim Jenkins' imprisonment and escape from apartheid-era South Africa. Uh, a tense prison break thriller starring Daniel Radcliffe, no less, oh, as okay. Tim Jenkins, who is uh, a real-life ANC activist who was branded a terrorist and imprisoned in South Africa's maximum security Pretoria prison in late 1970s. Uh, and, and, and is this a story that people would be familiar with? I mean, I, I'd not heard of this or these people um, before. I don't know if... No, I, I certainly wasn't familiar with it, I have to say. Um, so, you know... So for most people going into it, then, there, ain't, there isn't going to be the, the, the age-old spoiler of doing a true story that you know what happens at the end. That is very true, yeah. I mean, I'm guessing uh, all the information is out there. The truth is out there, as somebody once said. Um, So you could look it up if you wanted to. Um, Yes, there was something on... I was watching on Netflix uh, last month about the uh, Danish uh, murder mystery involving a a homemade submarine, which apparently was a real-life story. And... Um, I did vaguely remember something about it, but I I desperately tried hard not to uh, look it up on Wikipedia, and it made it much better because of that. Yeah, yes, I think I think if you're watching a true life thing and you are able to actually avoid the spoilers, as it were, then, then I guess it makes for a more enjoyable movie. And then afterwards, you can always go and read up about the real life thing, can't you, to educate yeah. yourself accordingly? Yeah, just to see whether it it was as, as true to life as you'd you'd hoped. Yeah. Because I, I watched a disaster movie. I won't even say the one, it, the name of it, because that will be a spoiler. But I watched one, and I assumed that, of course, you know, I thought I know what's going to happen here. They're all going to die at the end. You know, we're watching this great heroic thing, and it's going to be much like, um, you know, other films of that ilk where where they show you the the dramatic sort of final moments of these heroes before they perish, and they all survived. And I thought, oh, and then when I looked up the the, 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 the real life thing, they all survived in real life, of course. And, and, and it was this great thing where it really looked like they weren't going to pull through, but they actually all survived the, the, the particular um, disaster that they were mm. there trying to, to save people from. And, uh, and I was quite pleasantly surprised by that. I'll tell you off air which one it was, but okay. um, I won't say it on air for, for spoiler, um, for fear of spoilers. Daniel Radcliffe apparently is actually quite good. I mean, he has had some critical acclaim outside of Harry Potter, hasn't he? He was considered to be quite mm-hmm. good in The Woman in Black. 
Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's done other things since. I mean, he looks almost unrecognisable. Now he's like a grown-up with a beard and all. Well, it's, it's funny you should say that, because that was, I think, that was what I was thinking, that it's very difficult to look at him and not think Harry Potter. Yeah. But as you say, you know, now he can grow a beard and, and doesn't have to wear round glasses all the time. Although in this, his glasses aren't that, they're not that not round, are they? No, um, but he, he, he does look clearly older. I yeah. Mean, I'm trying to think how old he might be now. Oh, I would I would imagine he's in Without his late 20s. Without looking it up. Is he still only late 20s, do you reckon? Uh, no, now you've said that, I, I don't know at all. 1989. Uh, that's what 30 he'd be 32 32 yeah 32 this year yeah yeah uh, okay well I'm far off um, interesting though you know on um, on if you go onto IMDB and you look up a particular movie at the bottom mm-hmm. of the cast list it says there are more films like this and it gives you other suggestions it, it's it's giving six other films that I think are all Daniel Radcliffe films and it, or, no, well uh, four of them are Daniel Radcliffe films and in each of those four he looks very unrecognisable, playing very much against type, playing what looks like, you know, criminal, serial killer, uh, a white supremacist, um, all, all sorts of different things. So I guess he's he's really trying hard to get away mm. from his, mm. his, his so earlier image. For him. Yeah. It's not easy being a child star, I, I, I imagine. <laughs> the way you made that sound, I thought yeah, I know, the whole I part know. of you we didn't know about. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah you... Those milky bars didn't sell themselves, did they, Simon? Exactly, yes. So, um... Yeah, I mean, there have been a few that have sort of burst out, haven't they? Jodie Foster, for one, I suppose. Yeah. Well, that's the one that immediately came to my mind, but I'm sure there are others. Uh, Kurt Russell was a child star. Was he? But not, he wasn't like, not like Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, He was, he did, I think he did stuff in America when he was a lot younger, and and he was um, in films in his teens, and then, and I think he did Disney stuff. I think he was in, like, live-action Disney stuff. And and was a, was a something of a child star. Um, Justin Timberlake is probably caught into that category. He was a a, a, a teen performer on again. I think it was something to do with Disney, and then now he's sort of like a grown up actor. But yeah, mm. the, the, there are some that have made it, but I'm sure there are far more that haven't. And and there's probably various documentaries out there about how their lives went. Drew Barrymore, the, the, perhaps, being one example. Yes, she was the one I was, and the other one I was trying to think of, but couldn't remember her name, uh, fairly obviously. Um, the, 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 there's one that I can think of, who I, I saw in a, uh, in a in a sort of, I mean, it's not, a, you wouldn't really call it a cameo in that it was, uh, it was a cameo is normally a sort of a, a very small feature role in the film Parenthood with Steve Martin. Keanu Reeves and various other people excellent film there's a a man that berates uh, Steve Martin's character and and his son in the film and he's played by the boy who was in Flipper remember Flipper? yeah Clint Howard who is the brother of Ron Howard I I bow to you Um, well it's interesting you say that because he's got red hair I'm now yeah He's got oh, red hair like Ron Howard, and um, it was a, it is of course a Ron Howard film, so that that does make sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm now double checking. Certainly, his brother Clint Howard was a was a child star, and I think was 
Oh, maybe it wasn't Flipper. I'm now looking this up because, obviously, because he's a child star, he's got credits going back a very, very long time. Uh, he was in Gentle Ben, certainly, if you remember that. Uh, I do vaguely, yes. That was the one about the boy and the bear. Um, okay. But, no, he wasn't... Uh, so I'm actually thinking of somebody else then. Uh, it, it doesn't look like... Uh, he was the kid out of Flipper. But are you, are you sure it was Flipper that he was in? No, no. I mean, that could be completely wrong. Um. Because because um, Clint Howard, who was the boy from Gentle Ben and was a child star, was in Parenthood. Right. So, so that might have been who you meant, even though... Yeah, yeah I said. think it might be, yeah. I'm thinking of, um, yes, Tommy Norden. Um yeah, who who really wasn't in anything else at all. So I I so it was Gentle Ben, was it? Yeah, yeah, and and other things like that. That he he was a, he was also an episode of Star Trek back in the sixties, and he played okay. this little boy who was an emperor or something. And yeah, he 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 did a few of these sorts of things. And mm. and yet yeah, since then he's had small bit parts in movies throughout the years, but and largely ones that his brother directs. Okay. Um, but yeah. Uh, Yes, it wasn't. Um, yeah, it wasn't the actor from her Flipper. But anyway, right. So, mm. so the, the <laughs> nonetheless, the film in question, though, uh, Escape from Pretoria, is out on the twenty sixth of February on Amazon Prime. So let's go with yes. your um, the choice this week for Netflix. Uh, that the mm. one that we're going to tell you about, and it's called Moxie. It is indeed. Um... Uh, Vivian is a seemingly shy 16-year-old who's always preferred to keep her head uh, uh, down and fly under the radar. But when the arrival of a new student forces her to examine the unchecked behaviour of her fellow students running rampant at her high school, Vivian realises she's fed up. Inspired by her mother, played by Amy Poehler, uh, is that how you pronounce that name? I believe uh, so. Yeah, rebellious, uh, despite by her mother's rebellious past, Vivian anonymously publishes an underground zine, which I, I think is what young people call magazines, um, to expose bias and wrongdoing in her high school, and she unexpectedly sparks a movement. She's now at the centre of a revolution and begins to forge new friendships with other young women and allies reaching across the divide of cliques and clubs as they learn to navigate the highs and lows of high school together. It's directed by Amy Poehler and based on the novel by Jennifer Mathieu. Also stars Lauren Sy, Patrick Schwarzenegger. I wonder who he's related to. Yeah. Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Um, Nico Hiraga, Sidney Park, Josephine Langford and loads of other people none of whose names I recognise Marcia Gay Harden I noticed as a actually yes that, that she's the last one that was the last one mentioned and I'd sort of already given up by then looking at the other names but I've I got a feeling she's in something I'm watching at the moment let me just okay. yeah, but she's yeah pa- in, Patrick Schwarzenegger is the son of Arnold um, yes Marcia Gay Harden is in Code Black currently available on Amazon Prime okay she's also in at the moment um the Morning Show, which is on uh, Apple TV, I believe, oh, right. being very critically acclaimed, with Steve Carell and the one-off of Friends, Jennifer Aniston. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, uh, so obviously quite busy. She's been in lots of films over the years. Though. She was in Mystic River, which was a great film. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but anyway, uh, that's that's the other choice uh, that's uh, on the new release. New releases on the streaming services. It's a big one coming out next week, but we won't tell you more about that now. But but next week, obviously, we'll be able oh, to tell. That's good. I'm glad you're not going to tell me more about that now because I might have had to talk about it, and I haven't got a clue what it is. <laughs> An Eddie Murphy sequel. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. But we won't Say talk no about that now. No, no. But next week, we'll we'll, we'll let we you with that stop one. Stop talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> It's actually possible that with the clout we have in the film industry, we might even be able to get to see that before next week, and then we could talk about it proper. Yeah. Yeah, or, Maybe. or not. Or not. <laughs> we'll see. I think we have the ability to be able to watch that in advance, whether or not... I think so. Well, 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 but we just might not be bothered. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you know, that's two hours of our lives we'd have to commit. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we'll come to that later. We will mm. talk more about movies in a moment. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Welcome along to the second part of this week's uh, film guide. And this is where we look at Simon Carver's choice of films on free-to-air TV for the week ahead. We also uh, look at some of my choices as well. And I must say, I think Simon's done himself proud this week. He's got some good films on, on this list. In fact, it's so good, I thought it was my list at first. That's how good it looks. So uh, let's start off with Simon's first choice. So on Friday the 26th of February, 9pm on Film 4, he has chosen Upgrade. Yes, this is the second directorial feature from the co-creator of Saw, Lee Wanell. Uh, it's a zippily inventive reconfiguration of 1980s pulp science fiction, heavily influenced by Robocop and uh, uh, David Cronenberg films such as Existence. In the near future, uh, an old school mechanic is made a quadriplegic by body-modified thugs who kill his wife. He's offered a prototype implant to undo his paralysis and implanted with uh, a chip and it turns him into a hyperkinetic action man and it's it's rather good fun it's sort of a bit of terminator and it it, it, it sounded a bit like sort of death wish as well do i mean death wish yeah possibly there's an element of vigilante sort of re- yeah vigilante stuff Although oh, more about, I guess it's more about revenge than being a vigilante. You know, he's trying to get yeah. the people who got hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And got his wife. But yeah, it's it's interesting, and it does it does hark back to some of those seventies and eighties sci fi movies that, mm. um, that you know, because there's 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 stuff in there about about AI and 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 you know that, that I think there was I'm trying to remember now. I saw this from a couple of years ago, and I really enjoyed it. But um, there was something as well about whether the technology was taking over. And whether, in fact, who was in control? Was he in control or were these was this AI thing that was inside of him 
it, which enabled him to be able to walk again and 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 be able to function um, fully. Uh, you know, who, who was who was actually doing this? Mm. Was it him or was it the AI? And and that that stuff has been used in the past in sci-fi, but but it's been very well used in this where the way it's been brought right up to date with with you know sort of a, a take on on siri and alexa and those sorts of things mm. so, but but all th- i think it's that this is inserted inside of him um the, this this ai but but mm. it's also it's set in a near future which looks very similar to how our world looks now really and mm. you know home automation and, and cars that can do all sorts of things sort of for themselves which, which is kind of around now but 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 yeah, set in a world where that that is a bit more commonplace. But um, yeah, it's 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 great. Um, it, it's uh, you know it, it's it's really good, and it is it 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 does have some of those really sort of visually horrifying bits that Cronenberg does so well in some of his movies. It, it you know it, it does seem to um, pay homage to, to to some of that. You can see the you can see the influence of that in, in this. But it really surprises me because I don't think this would be your sort of film at all. Um, well, I thought it looked good. It, uh, I quite like the, I like I like revenge things. I think you know I like to see the good guy come out on top. Okay. Um, Have you seen it before? No. Ah, oh, okay. No, I just thought it looked good. Right. So that if I'd recommended it, you'd have been less keen. But because you found it all by yourself, you thought, "Oh yeah, that looks quite good." No, I, I think I, if you'd have recommended it, I'm sure I'd have, you know, given it a try if I've got nothing else to do. <laughs> anyway, that's the film Upgrade, 9 p.m. on Film Four, Friday the 26th of February. Uh, over on Five Star on 9 p.m. on Friday the 26th of February, an old classic, uh, but um, I'm, I'm sure neither of us have chosen this in a little while and it's uh, a few good men two marines based in cuba stand accused of murdering a comrade in arms three navy lawyers working on their defense unearth evidence that the soldiers may have been acting under orders which points to a trail of corruption leading all the way to a top ranking officer drama based on aaron Sorkin's stage play starring tom cruise demi moore kevin pollack jack nicholson Kiefer sutherland and kevin bacon and, and also the the young doctor bloke from ER is in it very briefly. Is it Noah Wiley? Is that the mm-hmm. actor's name? Yeah, he, he's in there briefly as well. Um, okay, but but yeah, it, Aaron Sorkin, it, you know, is is a great um, wielder of the pen. You know, his 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 wordsmanship is 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 you know, among the best that's out there. I think at the minute the you know the the, the the way that the the words flew out of the actors in the West Wing, you know, the the other stuff he's done. There, there's something about his work, and it stands out. It's it's a little bit wordy, and it can sometimes be a bit too worthy. But it's mm. it, it really, you know, he he's really a bit good clever at clever for its own good at times. Yeah, yeah, there is it does run that risk. But this is a great example of his work, and and in one of the finest um, courtroom dramas I think ever made into a film. I think I'll say that. Yeah, and, and I'm saying good. that knowing that another classic courtroom drama is on the list later in the week as well, which I think oh. is just as good as this. Okay. But um, I was reminded of this film though because I just started watching the as uh, a C- TV series in the '90s and the early noughties called Jag, which was mm. uh, the premise was it was Top Gun meets A Few Good Men. It was a naval 
pilot who could no longer fly tomcats, but it also happened that he was a lawyer, so he became he became a, a, a jag um, lawyer. And uh, and yeah, it was basically Tom Cruise's two characters, the one from Top Gun and the one from A Few Good Men, rolled into one, and they did very little to even step away from that. They they almost played into it somewhat. Mm. Um, but and and that was the series that NCIS spun off from. Um, but but I've been watching that recently, <clears throat> and one of the things that they did in that, quite unashamedly, was some of the footage from those movies they put into it, but passing it off as so like there was a, a dog fight between a few Tomcats, and it was lifted from Top Gun, but they tried to pretend it wasn't, and and, and things like that they, they they did, which apparently was quite rife in in action um, American action TV at the time because it was mm. cheaper to lift a scene out of something else, and pr- try to pass it off as being part of that particular episode. Mm. Anyway, they pay, they pay for it presumably. Well, no, it's made by the same people. So Paramount made Top Gun and a few well, men, and I'd say made pay that for TV. It, but, you know, they so, sort of. Yeah, they it, can use uh, their own library. It, it's not ripping it off. No, if they <laughs> took it from someone else's movie, there yeah. might be an issue with that. Yeah, but, right. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, A Few Good Men, a great um, legal drama uh, and, and with a military backdrop as well. And, and you can see how well it would work as a stage play. It really does look like, um, mm. you know, I'd love to see the stage version, actually. Uh, occasionally it gets revived and does the rounds. But anyway, that's 9pm uh, on Five Star, Friday the 26th of February. It was what first um, um, made me realise that America still had a base in Cuba which I always think was very odd, bearing in mind that Cuba was um, this sort of uh, Russian uh, sort of satellite state, and yet America has got has got a base there, which well, just seems weird. A Guantanamo Bay, isn't it? That, mm. That's there. Yeah. So, so, like, basically the rest of Cuba is sort of, is independent and separate, but, but the Americans have this tiny little corner of it, don't they? And, yeah, it's and a bit like Hong Kong, I suppose. Yeah. Except except that Cuba can't push the Americans into the sea in the way the Chinese could push the British. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's uh, a few good men. Uh, Friday the twenty. Bit controversial there. A bit political. Yeah, I know. I thought I'd move on quickly from that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, it, you know, it's been given back to China now. You've got to accept that. That was like twenty-one years ago that happened. Mm. Anyway, a few good men. Nine PM, five star. Friday, the twenty sixth of February. Let's move to Saturday, the twenty seventh of uh, February, and uh, Simon has chosen on film four, eleven forty five PM. Carrie. Yeah, I can't remember choosing this before, and and I'm not sure how often it ever comes on TV. It's a Brian De Palma classic from the nineteen seventies when he was in his pomp. It's, uh, yet another Stevens. I was going to say Steven Spielberg Stephen King bestseller um, uh, adapted for the screen and it stars Sissy Spacek as this uh, telekinetic girl meaning that she can move stuff around Um, uh, John Travolta's got a fairly small role um, and Piper Laurie plays uh, Sissy Spacek's mother which isn't easy to say Um, it's yeah, there's, there's scenes in it which have been sort of copied and uh, it, it quite iconic scenes, but it, if you've not seen it, it's it's worth a look. It has been remade, and, and in fact there was also mm. a sequel that came out to this, and I think the sequel and the remake came out close to each other, um, but but they they are pale in comparison. This, this is the original, and... Um, this must have been one of the earliest Stephen King adaptations, I would guess. This this was before The Shining. 
trying to think what other ones that he would have had around about the same time. Don't know. Pass. Anyway, Steve, this is a Stephen King, uh, yeah, Steve, a very famous Stephen King book, and uh, turned into a, an iconic movie. Um, and yeah, Brian De Palma, who who has got a fine body of work to him. Um, so to say that this is one of his best as well, that's that's no small, yeah, yeah, more yeah. boast, is it? You know, given that he did The Untouchables, didn't he, and and did so many other films. Yeah. But uh, anyway, that's um, uh, I, I'm just trying to look up. Stephen King now as the writer to see what his first movie would have been uh, and I just clicked the wrong thing so it's gone off of my screen it's annoying uh, as the writer his first movie was Carrie it was his first adaptation mm. um, and then uh, the next movie adaptation was The Shining yeah well he only wrote Carrie two years before right um, so, uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, that, there you go. Horror for a Saturday night for you. Um, 11.45 film, film four. That's Carrie. A very different type of film I'm choosing for Saturday. Um, and one of, I know, one of your all-time favourites, Simon. Um, it's on 1.50pm on Channel 5. It is about time. Mm. And the advantage I, of this... Mm, sorry. Go on. No, I was just going to say, I noticed it was on, but... I, I thought I can't choose this again, so you know. Well, I'm choosing it again because so different okay. to all the other times that you've chosen it, I've now seen it. I hadn't seen ah. it on any of the other times that you've oh, chosen okay. it. And um, yeah, uh, a single man gets the chance to turn his unhappy life around when his father reveals that they both have the ability to travel through time and change their personal history. He uses his newfound talent to try to improve his love life and win the heart of an American woman he has fallen for. Now that that's the description that doesn't do the film justice really because for a start it doesn't in any way feel like it's in any way science fictiony because there's no special effects whatsoever used to actually do the time no. travel they they go into a wardrobe and clench their fists yeah and and, and that's that's it um no, no effects at all uh, and also what that doesn't tell you is that it's a richard curtis film and and it has all the tropes of a Richard Curtis film, but it but it's the best example of those tropes, um, you know. So involving a lot of posh, middle class um, people, and um, it it kind of looks it always looks like I think like an idealised vision of England. I always think that's that's not where we live, but it it's where we'd like to live. Yeah, I don't know if if, if you would if you yeah, would go no, with that I know or not. exactly what you mean. Um, yeah. Yeah, Richard Curtis. I mean, they, they, you do get some sad bits in Richard Curtis films, but yes, the 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 overall view of the the nation is is quite rosy. Yeah, every everyone seems to be quite comfortable, quite wealthy, living quite nice big houses. That mm. um, and and also his characters in these movies. That you know, if this was made um, sort of fifteen years before, it would have been Hugh Grant playing that character. You know, it, it, the, they're some of his characters in his movies are they're not that vastly different from his other movies however if you like that sort of thing you'll love it and that's not meant to be faint praise because because there is a, there's a need for this sort of thing this is feel good films and you know yeah, yeah. feel good movies and people need that um Donald Greeson is is great in it. Rachel McAdams is really good uh, as the, the his his partner, his love interest, uh, and Bill Nye is is wonderful as his as his father. But but also, th- I think they get the casting right in these movies as well. They, they, the supporting cast always really good, and I think that goes some way. 
as well in in, in helping um, helping movies like this do well. So um, yeah, uh, writer from writer director Richard Curtis is exactly what you'd expect from Richard Curtis. But do not let that put you off. If, if, if you're not a fan of his, don't bother seeing it in the first place. It'll just confirm everything you don't like about him. But if you want a little bit of cheering up, if you want to, in fact, be lifted up before you then get dragged all the way down by Carrie later that night, then then this is the film for you. Indeed. Yeah. About time. 1.50pm, Channel 5, on Saturday the 27th of February. Let's move to Sunday the 28th of February. And Simon has chosen an afternoon movie that is another feel-good film, really. And, and a bona fide classic, The Karate Kid. Yeah, it's on Sony Movies, and Sony Movies have got one after another, karate, The Karate Kid, The Karate Kid 2, and The Karate Kid 3. So you could have a feast of Karate Kid movies. It, they, they get progressively worse, but, you know, you, if you wanted to, you could do that. Um, now, this is something I didn't realise. I mean, you, you will know this, I'm sure, but it was directed by uh, John G. Abelson, who also directed Rocky. Yeah, and he said I didn't know that. Of, he directed all of the um, Karate Kid films. And yeah, yeah, and he was the guy behind the original Rocky film as well. Because it, it, it suggests in, in my notes here that it's a junior version of Rocky. I, I wouldn't have connected those two at all, but um, I suppose the fact that they're directed by the same person, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, yes, Ralph Macchio plays this uh, lad from the east coast who gets transported by his mother over to the the west coast where he comes under the influence of uh, a a lovely Japanese man um, played by um, Pat Morita and uh, Mr. Maggi Miyagi Miyagi, yes how can you forget that? I know, I know because it's the Miyagi-Do Miyagi-Do Miyagi Do, yeah, whatever it is, yeah. Anyway, Elizabeth Shue is there as the love interest in an early role, and uh, yeah, it's 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 great. I mean, it, the the final, uh, the final scene, it, the final fight, uh, a, a lot of people would be able to quote the the lines, um, uh, just one after another. But um, sweep I, the leg, yeah, sweep the leg is the classic, of course. Um, and, and the crane is a great sort of uh, iconic image. Yeah, yeah. Which no, it's, means it's nothing to anybody if they've not seen the film. But everyone's seen the film. Everyone's seen it. Yeah, at some point or another. Uh, and it's great. And it, there are there are parallels between Rocky. You know, the whole thing about how in each instance the protagonist is is being taught by somebody older and wiser, and is training, and then it culminates in a in a tournament. Um, obviously with Rocky it's like the world heavyweight boxing championship with mm. with the Karate Kid it's just some local karate tournament but but the, the, it's similar you know training montages and there's a lot of similarities between the mm. two films but you wouldn't necessarily well given that you've been a fan of this film for oh, you've been a fan of this film for like 30 years and you've only just noticed that there's a link it's not an obvious thing but when you think about it there, there are similarities there. yeah, yeah you don't watch it and think oh this is this is Rocky with kicking mm. doesn't mm. feel like that but, uh, yeah, uh, how? Because that's you... the other thing. He's a, he's a sort of journeyman. Is, is Rocky, isn't he? Yeah. Um, whereas, uh, you know, this, these are sort of teenage kids. Yeah, this is and yeah, facing troubles in high school and bullying and, and learning yeah, yeah. about standing up for themselves mm. and all that. Um, how do you think this compares to 
uh, the the Netflix series Cobra Kai, which is sort of you know sweeping the world. People, you know, it's what one of the most popular series that Netflix has ever shown. Apparently, and uh, I know you've seen I, part of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I must admit, I've got slightly bored with the the Netflix thing. Um, I think it's sort of a bit too much of a good thing, really. But um, okay, how far did you get through it? I think I'm into the second series, and there's three, isn't there? Yes, yeah, the third one came out not that long ago, um, and uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's different, the tone is different, I think, as well, it, because the, the Netflix series is a little bit more comedy, and a bit more yeah influenced by, you know, like Bad Santa, or, you know, one of those sorts of movies that there, there's that, because in the, in the Netflix version... You know, it is now that what used to be the young children who are now the old wise teachers, and yeah. and yeah, but 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 this is where it all came from, uh, and uh, yeah, the Karate Kid, the original movie uh, from uh, 1984. My word, uh, that's, that's was that 37 years ago? Uh, yeah, would be, wouldn't it? Wow. Um, but yeah, so the Karate Kid, uh, 2 p.m. on Sony Movies, Sunday the 28th of February. My choice for Sunday night. Now, I don't know if you'd have seen this or not, Simon, but you'll like this. Uh, it's on 11:30 p.m. on BBC Two. It's called The Company You Keep from 2012. A respected lawyer is forced to go on the run when a reporter exposes the truth about him. He is really a member of a radical militant group wanted for questioning in a murder case who has been living under a fake identity for 30 years. As the fugitive goes in search of his old allies for sanctuary, the reporter delves into his past and uncovers disturbing secrets. A thriller based on the novel by Neil Gordon, directed by and starring Robert Redford with Shia LaBeouf, Julie Christie and Susan Sarandon. No, I don't know this at all. It's got a great cast of, of if you like those older actors, then, you know, J- Julie Christie's really good. Susan Sarandon is is, is great in it, um, but very well handled by Robert Redford as both the director and the, the star as this, this well-respected lawyer who suddenly after 30 years, uh, it's been discovered who he's, what his real identity is and he has to go on the run. And, and, and watching him as, a, as, as an old man having to do this and he was some sort of radical militant in the 70s and a bit of a hippie and he's having to find all his old comrades to see if any of them can help him and it's amusing in places uh but but it's quite it's 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 quite fast-paced and it's quite serious in general and and yeah you've got Shia LaBeouf as the, the the dogged and determined young reporter that's uncovered who this guy really is and then he's mm. he's uncovering more and more as, as as the thing goes on um but the only the only thing where it slightly stretches the credibility is that Robert Redford is clearly playing somebody far younger than he really is because in it he's got a teenage daughter and whilst it is possible that he might have a teenage daughter Mm. you know he would have had her in his 60s because Robert Redford is in his late 80s now and would have and in this movie from about nine years ago would have would have been in his 70s easily but but, mm. but but they never really say anything about isn't it a bit weird that, that this really old mm. fella's got this young teenage daughter um, and, and so I guess you're expected to believe that he's not that old but, but if you know mm. anything of Robert Redford you would know yeah. he is quite old but if you can put that to one side then, then it works very well as a movie and uh, yeah it's a, it's a good a good tense thriller uh, and, and it does seem that unlike other actors of his vintage 
he seems to be able to still make quite good movies. Yeah, you, you, we've talked in the past about some of them, like people like Robert De Niro, who 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 have made mm. some appalling movies, um, you know, in, in recent years. And you, you you sort of think, why are these people ruining their their heritage by adding really bad movies to their list of fine movies? Well, he doesn't make a lot of movies, does he, Robert Redford? I don't think in no. in the way that De Niro does. So I guess he, his his discernment perhaps is is. There was that one we saw, was it? The old man and the gun. Yeah, which I think was his last film, was or he claimed was his last movie. It's certainly was his it? last one to date mm. as a, as an actor. Um, but yeah, that was really good as well. Um, there was one I saw not too long ago, which I think was called An Unfinished Life, where he played this farmer, and uh, yeah, and it had uh, it had Jennifer Lopez in it as well, and Morgan Freeman. Um, yeah, it's about this woman who who's widowed and she has to move in with her father-in-law and, and he's a bit, like, grouchy and grumpy and, and that. And then over the course of the movie, having his daughter-in-law and her son living with him, he mellows somewhat. Um, but, but And it was a Lassie Halstrom movie as well. I know you've right. been a fan of some of his work. But yeah, Redford does seem like he's, he's a bit choosy about the parts he picks and he seems to pick reasonably good ones in his later years. But, uh, but anyway, the film that I've chosen, Sunday the 28th of February, 11.30pm on BBC Two, The Company You Keep. We move to Monday the 1st of March. March? Is it already March? Mm. Was it not Christmas a fortnight ago? Apparently not. It's funny how t- time is both dragging and flying by at flying, the same yeah. Time. That's very true, yeah. Um, Anyway, Monday the 1st of March, you have chosen 6.55pm on Film 4, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Yeah, have you seen this? No, no, no. It's um, it, it's a it's a rather unusual film. Um, you've got these two lads who make these spoof videos of classic movies using sort of um, puppets and things like that. A Sockwork Orange, Senior Citizen Kane, and things like that. Um, and uh, one of them's Mum, played by Connie Britton makes one of the boys uh, Greg hang out with a girl who has been diagnosed with leukemia and uh, they initially it's all a bit awkward but they start to get on and and it's about the relationship of the three of them and it's it's funny but it's also quite poignant as well so it's good I would recommend it because I think it's the sort of thing that you could miss quite easily yeah I remember it being very critically acclaimed when it when it came out um, it's got an Olivia Cook, who's an English actress, who I'm sure everything I've ever seen her in, she's playing somebody that's ill or dying. Oh, right. Um, she, she was, that's probably unfair, but the other thing I have seen her in was she was in Bates Motel, you know, the, the oh, yeah. modern day yeah. prequel to Psycho. Yeah. And yeah. in that, she played somebody that had a condition where she had to carry around with her um, an oxygen tank all the time. And it was like wired up to her nose. And, and, oh, right. and she was waiting for a lung transplant maybe or something okay. and in her and her character in that was always looked like she was on the verge of dying she had this condition and no one else really wanted to be her friend except for young Norman Bates because you know no one wanted to be his friend because he tended to kill people uh, yeah but uh, but anyway yeah um, me and Earl and the dying girl which kind of sounds a bit like an old country song <laughs> yeah that's a bit I know what you mean yeah yeah um, me and you and the dog got a bit of rhythm yeah. yeah 
Got a bit of rhythm to it, isn't it? Yeah, I'm sure someone could turn that into a song. But anyway, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl is on at 6.55 on Film 4. And I gather it's far more upbeat, upbeat than it sounds. That it sounds yeah. like if, if yeah. you know, that sounds like quite serious stuff. But, but Yeah, like, yeah, no, but it's, 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 there are lots of funny elements to it. Okay. Um, my choice for Monday the 1st of March on uh, 2.50pm over on Film 4 on Monday afternoon. Uh, it's another film that I would say is one of the finest uh, courtroom dramas ever made. And it's 12 Angry Men. 12 oh, right. jurors convene to decide the verdict in a murder trial while 11 of the group are thoroughly convinced the teenage defendant is guilty. One lone voice of reason refuses to cave in to pressure and passionately argues the case for his innocence. Uh, Sidney Lumet's legal drama starring Henry Fonda, Lee J. Cobb, Ed Begley, Martin Balsam and Jack Klugman. Quincy himself is in there as well. Jack Klugman. Cool. Yeah. And uh, it's... And again, and I think this is based on a stage play as well. I mean, certainly it has been put on uh, on stage. Whether mm. which came first, I don't know. But but it, it feels like a like a you're watching a play, and and there's, mainly because it's one setting. It's the it's the jury room. It's pretty much that. I think there's a scene at the beginning and a scene at the end which isn't in the jury room. But the whole rest of it is in that jury room, and I think it pretty much plays out in real time. Maybe not completely. But it's certainly you. You get the feeling that you're you're in there with them, and as the as it goes on, it feels more claustrophobic, and 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 it's it's you know wonderful, wonderful drama, and 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 you know Henry Fonda like is such a such a great leading man, and the way that he 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 kind of he carried that film, and you 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 truly believe that this one righteous man could sway the others who who at the beginning of the movie were so. Mm. It convinced of of this this uh, person's guilt, um, but yeah, you know, a, a classic uh, courtroom drama. But maybe we'll do a week of courtroom films if there's enough of them on TV. Great. Yeah, I love a good courtroom drama though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think they're, they're, they're great, um, and uh, I get a bit bored with some like some of the old Perry Mason things. You know, they they brought yeah. that back and did TV movies in the eighties and nineties. They became very formulaic and cliched. And, and Walking to the back of the room and, and says, how many fingers am I holding up and things like that. that yeah, yeah. Um, but, but there Perry was, Mason thing. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, you, you've got a lot of um, TV drama that, that's, that's done the courtroom thing quite well. There was um, yeah. uh, L.A. Law was, was, was a great example oh, yeah, yeah. in the 80s. Yeah. There, was one, there was one scene, I, I re-watched L.A. Law a few years ago, and there was one scene that stood out and um, it was between the actor Jimmy Smits, who was one of the leading men. He was the, the Hispanic mm. lawyer in the early series of that. And it's him against uh, the actor Ralph Bellamy, who played this CEO of a company. And it really was like uh, watching the whole that whole Jack Nicholson, Tom Cruise thing. Mm. You know, I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. I want the, and, yeah. and this great to and froing and eventually him breaking him down in the in the in the in the, the witness box and getting him to admit their liability and, and, and what have you and then when you find out that that episode was about three years before the film A Few Good Men oh, you really? sort of think well, you know, that's really good now I mean the stage play existed I think at that point yeah, um, yeah. And, and I'm not saying that one influenced the other at all but it was something as good as that and mm-hmm. having two actors mm-hmm. as good as that playing that I think court, courtroom drama's done well I think it's among the best drama you can get on television or film Corbin Burnson um uh, was um, in LA Law, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's in stuff nowadays. And 
he 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 was he had this lovely hair, didn't he? I remember. Yeah, um, he hasn't anymore. He hasn't anymore though, and it looks quite sort of grizzled now. Well, watching rewatching La Law, you could see that the hairstylist did a very good job of making a little go a long way on top of his head. Yeah. You know? As somebody who's is also somewhat follically challenged, I can I can respect that. Um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, 12 Angry Men uh, from 1957 is on Monday the 1st of March, 2.50pm on Film 4. We move to Tuesday the 2nd of uh, March and Simon has chosen on 4.7 at 9pm. Another really good film. I'm very surprised. It is insane. Claire Foy, um, who played the Queen, of course, in The Crown, is in this Steven Soderbergh film. Um... It's it's one of those situations where you're not quite sure what's going on. Um, she seeks counselling at a behavioural facility uh, that she's conned into committing herself. And once inside, her sanity crumbles and she's plagued by what seem to be delusions. Uh, a horribly compelling premise, uh, an unsane depiction of a shady institution is quirky and credible. Sadly, the satirical skew and psychological programme uh, probing gives way to a, a, a schlocky, far-fetched thriller with echoes of Brian De Palma. That's interesting, isn't it? Because we were saying how good Brian De Palma was earlier on. Anyway, uh, a cameo from Matt Damon. Matt Damon is unforgivably indulgent and insensitively timed. So you can see why I chose this because it's got such a good review. <laughs> but there's lots of good things about it. So is this a film that you've seen? No. I've seen okay. side effects, and it was, um, it uh, that was quite an interesting film. Okay, and um, that was a, that was another Steven Soderbergh film about sort of um, psychiatry, etc. So, so some of the, the the ground that the plot covers is not unfamiliar. That there is so she. Um, she seemingly she claimed she was duped into voluntarily admitting to being um, sort of admitted into this this psychiatric facility mm. and then they won't let her out and they keep saying yeah but you signed this and now that means you can't come out because you've you've committed to this long and you can only come out if the doctor says you're okay to come out and, and they're not because you've clearly got issues and then you start to kind of question what you've just seen in the movie yourself as the viewer thinking did she voluntarily do it or did she, or, or or is she more sort of unhinged than, than we first thought and it's one of those things where you see it play out on the screen but you're you're mm. you're unsure whether you remember it correctly which is which is quite cleverly done but it has been done before there was uh, something with Halle Berry where yes she was swearing to everyone that she was a doctor in this facility and they were telling her no you're you're one of the patients and she couldn't work out if if she really was or whether someone was playing with her is it gothica yeah, and I and I offer you Shutter Island as well. Yeah, yeah, another one that does something similar. But but I think Soderbergh is quite a, an interesting filmmaker, and you know he 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 I think he handles it really well. It was also it had this weird look to it, and the 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 aspect ratio seemed a bit weird, and it's not how you'd normally see a film. And I couldn't work out why. And it's only when I looked it up afterwards, he shot the whole thing in ten days using his iPhone. He used an iPhone. He used an iPhone um, in in its 4K mode, and and he edited it all on using an app as well. And and he shot the whole thing with an iPhone. Clever. With, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, to, to what purpose? I don't really know. I guess what well, just proof that you can. You don't need all this expensive mm. equipment. Um, but uh, 
but yeah apparently to do some like dolly shots which is where they basically put the camera on like train tracks they had him with a with one of those handheld um uh you know, you know like a, a selfie stick but one with it on a gimbal so you can buy these things where if you move around the camera stays still as you're moving and and put him in a wheelchair just pushed him around with it so uh th- th- that was how they achieved all that but uh, but apparently it was it was it was filmed yeah very quickly it had a very very low budget and it i think it achieved the same sort of thing that a big budget movie would have achieved um and yeah i i quite enjoyed it i don't actually remember matt damon's cameo but uh i'm not going to disagree with your reviewer there but uh, but anyway that's unsane 9 p.m on 4 7 on tuesday the 2nd of uh march and on to my choice uh which is on uh, 12.50 a.m., so technically into Wednesday morning, but it's on the London Live channel, which we don't pick films that often because they're largely not very good. Um, But it's called The Escort, and this is one that in the past I've chosen as my film of the week. Uh, It's really, really interesting comedy drama uh, about a sex-obsessed journalist whose career is falling apart and he has a chance encounter in a bar with a high-class prostitute. Seeing a chance to write the story that will make him a success, he persuades her to let him document her life and a strange connection develops between the two lonely outsiders. Uh, and um, it's got a cast of largely unknown people, but but one of the great roles in it is um, his... So the, the journalist, who's, who's a bit of a dropout, um, he's got quite a wealthy, successful father who wants better for him. And that father's played by Bruce Campbell, who... who to some would be considered to be like the king of the B-movies, a, a, a great um, actor who, who's been in a, a lot of small movies and, and a lot of stuff directed DVD and, and all that mm. kind of thing. But he's very good in this. Uh, but the two leads are Michael Doniger and Lindsay Fonseca. And she's been in... That something name rings a bell, yeah. Yeah, she was in um, the, um, Agent Carter, the thing with... What's the Hayley Atwell? Is it Hayley Atwell? Is that the, yeah. the actress? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She 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 was in that. Uh, she was in Kickass as well, according to what okay. I have on my screen here. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, a few other things. But anyway, the the film is really good. It, it it is quite a nice, poignant comedy drama. Despite its setting, it is not in any way sexual or gratuitous. Um, it 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 really is sort of a character sort of study in, into these these lonely people and how they kind of connect um, and, and yeah it's quite charming and, and funny uh, and that's uh, on 12.50am uh, into the wee small hours of Wednesday the 3rd of March on London Live that's the escort we move to Wednesday night 9pm on Sony Movies I'm really surprised you've chosen this but anyway um, another one of my favourites you've chosen Desperado yes um it follows on from El Mariachi, uh, directed by Robert Rodriguez, and it stars uh, Antonio Banderas, this mysterious guitar-playing stranger who arrives south of the border seeking vengeance against an evil drugs baron. And it's also got um, Salma Hayek in it, and a couple of little cameos from Quentin Tarantino and Steve Buscemi, and uh, a great soundtrack from Los Lobos, if you like that sort of Tex-Mex sort of sound. Yeah. Le, they, they did a version of La Bamba, didn't they? Yeah. That was uh, yeah. a big hit when the movie came out about Richie Valens' life. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, so the, yeah, so El Mariachi was a very, very, almost like a student movie, a very small, low-budget um, Mex- Mexican-based um, movie. Uh, it was all in in Spanish. And, and had nobody in it that was particularly famous. And Robert Rodriguez made this film and he made a name for himself off the back of it and earned respect, even though nobody had really heard of the movie outside of the movie industry. And then he was given a bit of money and he basically remade it as Desperado. It is, a, it is in essence the same film, but with a far bigger budget and different actors. Uh, but but it, yeah, it's very good. And then there was a sequel to it some years later called Once Upon a Time in Mexico, which mm-hmm. had Johnny Depp in it as well. Uh, and and that one is quite good not not as good as this one but but as is often the case but yeah and and uh, must have been a very early early role for Salma Hayek I wasn't really aware of uh, that before this or Dust to the Dawn but I think this was before that it was quite a long time ago wasn't it um 95 so yeah sort of 26 years ago Mm. I don't know how old she is she's probably is she 50-ish I believe she is. She is. She's over fifty-four. 50. There you go. Wow! You can tell just by looking, can you? Yeah, just by looking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she would have been only uh, twenty-nine when she made this. Okay. That's uh, Desperado, nine PM on Sony Movies for Wednesday, third of March. Uh, my choice for Wednesday, the third, also nine PM, over on Five Star. We have Watchmen. Uh, this is. Um, uh, a superhero movie with a difference. Uh, it, it's very much um, a superhero movie for grown-ups, which nowadays I think is quite commonplace, but there was a bit... They weren't quite as prevalent back in 2009 when, when this came out. Uh, and, and this was uh, directed by Zack Snyder and, and based on a uh, graphic novel by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, it says here. And, and the look of the movie is very much in keeping with the look of that graphic novel. And, and it's set in an alternative alternative his, history. Is that what they call it? Where, like, you know, th- there's been TV series, haven't there? Where, like, mm. it was if... If, if Germany if had Nazi, won the war and yeah, that yeah. stuff, yeah. So it's, it's set in one of those where... But, but it's in a world where America won the Vietnam War. And, um, and then um, Richard Nixon never uh, resigned. And, and that's the future that they're in. So the film is set in the 80s and... Um, it's yeah it's quite an interesting um, sci-fi drama I guess it says here at the height of the Cold War former superheroes driven into retirement by public outcry are confronted with the murder of one of their number as they face the possibility of a conspiracy to eliminate them they must contend with a world edging closer to the brink of nuclear war uh, and it stars Patrick Wilson Jackie Earl Haley uh, Malin Ackerman and Billy Crudup and it's it's quite the epic um, film. It's also got in it. Oh, is the guy called Matthew Good? Was he in Downton Abbey, an English actor? Uh, Downton Abbey and, is Matthew Good. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he was also in The Good Wife. Yes, or the, yeah. Or the Good. Uh, yeah, it was the, the Good Wife. He was. It in. was the Good Wife. He was in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he he's in this as well, and he plays the basically the the, the villain of the piece. Um, but but it's a very interesting film, and in fact, even the villain of the piece in the end, you sort of think, actually, was he bad? And and what he ended up doing was that actually a bad thing? It, it, it's quite an interesting interesting movie. But there's recently been a TV series that has had um, a lot of um, critical acclaim, which is also called Watchmen, but they're not particularly connected. This was um, 
this was sort of a, a, a version of the comic books or the graphic novels um, whereas the movie the TV series was set after the graphic novels and the graphic novels were the backstory of the TV series and it had some very good people in that like uh, Jeremy Irons played the character that Matthew Good played in this movie for All example right. um, but it's set in a world where in the 80s the president is Robert Redford and they keep referring to President Redford all the time and I, and, and I just find that quite amusing um, uh, but uh, but yeah uh, anyway it, it, it's an interesting look at an alternative mm. um, period of time that, that you know what if you know a war went differently and a president didn't resign after being impeached fancy it's that very, is it literally dark if I imagine that no, it, it is. It, the whole of the look of the movie is is, is quite dark, and yeah, um, yeah it, it is done that way. Gloomy. The TV series is a little bit a bit lighter in its in its mm. visual tone, but no, the, yeah, gloomy. I think would be the watchword mm. for Watchmen. Okay, but anyway, nine p.m. Wednesday, third of March on Five Star. We move to Thursday, the fourth of March, and Simon's final choice of the week is a United Kingdom. Nine p.m. on BBC Four. Yes, uh, David Oyelowo and uh, uh, Rosamund Pike play this couple who whose uh, relationship causes problems because he is black and she is white, and it was in the 1940s. Um, he is uh, Prince Soretsi Karma, who became the first president of Botswana after leading the uh, former... British Protectorate to Independence um, Bekuana Land yes it's just suddenly came to me what it was called um, it, uh, it's based on Susan Williams account Susan Williams being I believe um, the daughter of the couple yes Rosamund Pike plays Ruth Williams and um Yes, he's attacked by thugs in London, and she, but she has a subtler form of racism that she has to deal with. Uh, she gets cold-shouldered by the the tribes people in Africa, and so you've got this sort of, um, you know, they're, they're both of them have have difficulties being accepted by their relevant uh, people. Uh, Jack Davenport plays a diplomat who is rather two-dimensional. Um, but it's it's a good film. It's a true story about um, stuff that happened. You know, I mean, we've got um, we've got quite a lot of our own racism to be uh, ashamed of in the same way that Americans have. It's an interesting point. We um, on our on the other on the main podcast, we are literary correspondent. Sorry, on the what? <laughs> on the other on podcast. The, on the other podcast. Okay. The um, the, 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 as you know from, from obviously listening to it the, our, our literary correspondent one month her choice of books were um, influenced by the Black Lives Matter campaign but she realised afterwards that they were all American books they were all American authors and she thought you know we've got our own racism we pretty much invented it so then she did a follow up last month which were, was um, by British authors and looking at racism from a British perspective which, which is a bit different and, and yeah I guess this forms part of that that shameful history, doesn't it? Uh, that, mm. You know, we, 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 you know, it's not just the Americans that are good at racism. We were doing it long before they were. Yeah, we were just as good. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's the film, uh, A United Kingdom, 9pm on BBC Four. And then my final choice of the week, 
and I'm pretty sure you've chosen this a few times before, although you might well correct me on that, but 10.55pm on ITV4, it is the film Ransom. Oh, yeah. Airline Tycoon. I, I would have chosen it, and I, 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 I would have bet that you would choose this. Because <laughs> there wasn't an awful lot else on. No, no, just because I think we've both talked about it before as being a rather good film. Yeah, yeah. And it, I didn't it, choose it because I felt that we'd chosen it a lot before, but, you know, I'm very uh, happy that you've chosen it. Well, thank you. And uh, directed by Ron Howard, uh, I'm now looking to see if his um, if his if his younger brother, the child star Clint Howard, was in it as well. But while I look for that, I can tell you that um, it is about an airline tycoon who is uh, wary of involving the police when his nine-year-old son is abducted but cooperates with their plan to make a ransom drop. However, when the trade-off goes badly wrong, he decides to take matters into his own hands by placing a $2 million bounty on the kidnappers' heads to the consternation of the cops and his anxious wife. Thriller starring Mel Gibson, Rene Russo, uh, Gary Sinise, Delroy Lindo and Liv Schreiber. And um, this is the third or fourth film that Rene Russo and Mel Gibson made together. They made, they made a few of them um, in the oh. 90s. They did two Lethal Weapon films, mm-hmm. and they did this. And I can't help but think, if, did they do another one as well? M- maybe not, but uh, but certainly, you know, they were they were quite the pairing at the time. And and here they were um, once again, and and yeah, a really good thriller with a bit of a twist because it isn't quite the usual, um, you know, it, it it isn't quite the usual thing of 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 somebody being abducted and then you know the, the the thing about that the way that he he turns it all on his head somewhat and he kind of shows that in fact Mel Gibson's character isn't that nice either even though he's the he, he's supposedly the victim in this uh but um yeah uh Ransom was from 1996 and I'm just looking down at the credits now to see if uh if Clint Howard was in it because I can imagine the listener was interested in that mm. It doesn't look like he was, but he did a load of films in 1996, including Barbed Wire, the the, um, Pamela Anderson action movie. Uh, He was also in That Thing You Do, which was a Tom Hanks movie. Uh, And he was in Santa with Muscles, which came out in 1996 as well. Right. But he wasn't in Ransom. Um, Anyway... Uh, that's that's my final choice of the week. Uh, Ransom on Thursday the 4th of March, 10.55pm on ITV4. So, Simon, which of your choices would be your film of the week? Oh, dear. It's tricky. It's tricky. Uh, I think I would go for Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Okay. Um, and my choice this week, I'm going to go for The Company You Keep, only because... Not necessarily the best film, but it's possibly the least well-known of my choices mm, of the week. Mm. And That's so, sort of why I chose the one that I chose as well. Yeah. Um, thank you for that. Uh, you, of course, will be back on Sunday with another podcast that we do here, um, yep. which is our Dagnall Street Baptist Church virtual service. What's coming up on Sunday? Um, thinking about one of the uh, famous scenes in the New Testament where... Uh, Peter has a go at Jesus and Jesus says get ye behind me Satan Ooh, okay. yeah there was menace in my voice when I said that wasn't there there was and, and the listener cannot see the look as well that no no that look that. yeah that sort of si- side eye I don't mm. know that's what it's called but yeah anyway more of that yeah. on Sunday indeed um, 
you can find the Dagenham Street Baptist Church virtual podcast where you found this one uh, just just or you could type Dagenham Street into any podcast platform of choice and you'll find it there you can also find all the subscri- subscription details uh, at, on our website stalbanspodcast.com where you can find the details for all of the podcasts that we do uh, and you can also listen online on our website as well so you don't even need to download or do anything you just click and listen simple as that Simon thank you very much 